This is the Jeopardy podcast. And now, here are the hosts of the Jeopardy podcast, Jamie and Katie. This is the Jeopardy podcast. And now, here are the hosts of the Jeopardy podcast, Jamie and Katie. Hello everyone, this is the Evil Chocolate Cookie, or more accurately, the Tired Chocolate Cookie, because I have been busy today. But it is Saturday night, this is the Jeopardy Chronicles, and it is time for a spotlight. Now, this spotlight is not going to be as data-filled and comprehensive as, you know, some of the others I've done. Because I did not get to watch this guy play. Except for a couple of games. Because I was still a baby. Today, we are going to be talking about Eddie Tamanis. And for those of you who don't know who he is, he is the first blind person to have competed on Jeopardy. And from the hearsay I've heard... The guy was amazing at playing the game. Unfortunately, I haven't gotten to, you know, see his games and I haven't gotten to meet him, although I would really, really love to. But I'm not going to be pushy and persistent about it. That would be rude. So, Eddie Tamanis played during the five game limit era. Which meant you won five games, you were retired, and you got your seat in the Tournament of Champions. I want to say his first game was in October of 1999. I know it was in 1999. I think the date I read online said October 20th. You you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But I wasn't even a year old yet. I was still a baby. Which is why I didn't get to watch the guy play. I did, however, get to see an interview with him on YouTube. He said that his mother, I believe it was, had been on Jeopardy before and, you know, had struggled and had some problems. But then he he was talking about his streak and how he'd won four games and was, you know, maybe having a little bit of trouble in the fifth one. But he, he was disappointed, but he was okay about it. He's like, well, I've won four games. That's that's nothing to sneeze at. Because I think, I think he was behind another guy at the end of the game. If I'm remembering this interview correctly. So, you guys can call me out for misinformation if I've messed up. It's not deliberate misinformation like most people seem to want to share, but... I'm, I'm doing this based off of hearsay and such because, like I said, I was a baby. How would I know? But it was, from, from what I understood, that, that final game in those five, in those five, he said the final Jeopardy question was so easy, at least to him, that 
he did not expect to win. He was like, well, I've won four. That's, that's all right. But then he gets it right, and the guy that's ahead of him misses it. He said, they revealed the guy's answer, and there was just this gasp from the audience, and he knew just right then that the guy had missed it, and he ended up winning his fifth game, which, you know, meant he had to retire. That wasn't the last we saw of him, though, of course. He was in the Tournament of Champions. Have no clue how he did. Because I was a baby. Actually, by that time, I think Tournament of Champions was in 2000. I was one going on two. At that point, probably. Depending on what part of 2000 it fell in. I don't have the dates on me right now. But that wasn't the last we saw of him either. He made an appearance in the Ultimate Tournament of Champions in 2005, which unfortunately I do not remember very well. Because I was just about six going on seven that year. And... Honestly, I lost track of those games because there wasn't a returning champion. Well, I mean, in a sense, they were all returning champions. But when I was younger, I kept up with games better if there was a a constant person every day. That's why Ken Jennings made such a big impression on me. Like, he was always there. But yeah, I, I unfortunately don't remember a lot about the Ultimate Tournament of Champions. I I think I remember seeing him play. Because I remember that one of the things... I remember one of the things they did for him was notably different from what the norm was on the show. And he also made an appearance in the 2014... I think it was 14. Battle of the Decades. Which I've seen bits and pieces of, thank you Pluto TV, but I've not seen it all. And I, I didn't get to watch him play because, I, like I said, I haven't seen it all and Pluto's probably taken it down by now. Which is sad because I want to watch the Battle of the Decades Sorry guys, I'm exhausted. I've had I've had a day. My I had my radio show and then it turned into all of us got busy hanging out and goofing off and well my show ran over almost an hour cuz we were doing earworms. But yeah. But yeah, this guy this guy from everything I've heard was an amazing player. And I'm hoping I can find at least clips out there somewhere of his games so I can confirm that. Because I would kill to see them. Just absolutely kill to see these games. Like I said, I would love to meet this guy, but I don't see it happening. 
I know he was active on Twitter when I was there. I followed him. Just because I followed a lot of Jeopardy! champions, because they always posted a bunch of interesting stuff. I think a couple of them actually followed me back, but... And the ones I the ones I bumped into were nice. Um, I sent Buzzy Cohen a happy birthday message, and he liked it. He responded to it. But, yeah, I, I would really, really, really love to meet this guy. And now some of you, I think most of my audience knows the answer to this. But there may be people who don't. Some of you might be like, hold up, if he was blind, how did he play Jeopardy? Good question. Here's the answer. First, one of the, the thing they did was they gave him a card that had the categories written on it in braille. Now, the challenge for him was remembering which clues had been picked. Because obviously, you know, there was really no way to tell. And in Final Jeopardy, they normally they have like this electronic screen and they write with like a little pen on it. Well, in his case, they gave him a braille something or other, like a braille keyboard. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but he had that to write his answer and such with. In the Ultimate Tournament of Champions, and I'm guessing the Battle of the Decades, too, they added one more accommodation, and this is what I was talking about remembering that was so markably different from the rest of the show. If you've watched Jeopardy for any length of time, you will know that there is no sound to say, hey, hit your buzzer. But in the Ultimate Tournament of Champions, I know for sure, when the game that he played, once Alex was done reading, you heard, ding! Like, it wasn't obnoxious or anything, it was just, ding! And what that ding meant is, hey, hit your buzzer. And I don't know if they just did that because it was a higher level of competition. Or if they did that to make sure that he didn't have problems with buzzing in too early. Or I don't know. Honestly, I hope it was just to make sure that he knew when to buzz in. Because I feel like that would be beneficial because I spoke to... A blind contestant who was in the 2015 tournament. And she talked about, you know, having issues with that. Not really knowing when it was okay to buzz in and buzzing in too early. And, you know, getting locked out. Because we got in a, we got in a Jeopardy chat or a Jeopardy conversation on Clubhouse. Because I'd mentioned that, you know, I'm trying to get on the show. And we were talking. And she was actually the one who mentioned it. I didn't... Like, I remembered her name. But I didn't bug her about it or anything. She she mentioned it. And she gave me some really nice tips. And I love that. So, Carrie, if you're listening to this... Uh, thank you. Like, I don't remember everything... I don't remember everything we talked about. But... 
I do remember she talked about having some trouble with, you know, with the buzzer and things like that. But... Honestly, I think a lot of the teen players... This is, I'm going off tangent. Or I'm going off topic here for a second because I mentioned the teen tournament. And now this brings me to something I've wanted to say for years. Jeopardy people, if you're listening to this, for the love of Pete, do not make teen tournament players ineligible to play in the future. And here's why. One, there hasn't been a teen tournament in years. And two, teen tournament winners are not invited to the Tournament of Champions. They don't get a shot at what you might call regular play. And I really don't think that's a fair trade-off. I feel like if you were on Kids Week, which no longer exists, or if you were in the teen tournament or something like that, or... No, um, I started to say college, maybe, but college tournament winners did get invited to the Tournament of Champions. But if, if you fall into one of those categories, you should not be made permanently ineligible. They should make you wait, I don't know, say five to ten years or something. And then they should reopen your eligibility because teen tournament play or kids tournament play versus regular play, it's like night and day because obviously, you know, the material has to be easier. But also, you don't have the opportunity to be a returning champion. You just don't. And I think Jeopardy needs to do something about that. But, sadly, Michael Davies isn't going to listen to a word I say. And neither is Sony. I mean, they hired Mike Richards after all, so they can't be that smart. And I've talked for, oh my god, I've talked for 14 minutes. So I'm going to shut up now. Partly because I'm out of stuff to say and partly because I'm exhausted. But that's that's your spotlight for the week. I am going to sign off for today. And let me remind you, tomorrow is Strategy Corner. And then Monday is when stuff's going to get epic. Monday, we're going into flashback mode. And we'll be covering last year's Tournament of Champions. Which was a tournament for the ages. Because there were so many super champs in it. So definitely look forward to that. And with that, I will see you folks later. As Alex would say, so long, everybody. This is Jamie T speaking for the Jeopardy podcast in Evil Chocolate Cookie production. This is Jamie T speaking for the Jeopardy podcast in Evil Chocolate Cookie production.